Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just celebrate your word this morning, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you speak to us and you teach us, Lord. You could have left us blind. You could have left us without any guide, but Lord, you have given us your word. Father, today as we come to opening up your word and heeding its instruction, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts. Lord, in Jesus' day when he preached, there were many who closed their eyes and shut off their ears, not wanting to hear. But Lord, today we look at this first parable. Lord, I pray that you would open every heart. You would open every eye, every ear. Let each heart see, let each heart hear your message and heed its word. Oh Lord, make every heart good ground so that you might implant the seed of the gospel. And find a fruitful harvest. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. We're looking at the kingdom parables. The kingdom parables. And today we're looking at the first of the kingdom parables. In Matthew 13, 1 through 9, we get the parable. And then we'll be also looking at 18 through 23 at the explanation of the parable. So uh, we'll start with reading the, just the parable, and then we'll go on to the explanation here in a little while. If you found your place there, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Now, if you were here last week, we we talked about the purpose of the parables, the purpose of the parables. And as we looked at Jesus' explanation as to the purpose of the parables, why he taught in parables starting at this point in his ministry, uh, one, it was an act of judgment. It was an act of judgment as those who 
came out to hear him preach, there were many who had closed their ears and closed their eyes. They didn't want to hear the message that Jesus had to preach. And so Jesus began to preach to them in parables so that they would not see and would not hear. So this was an act of judgment. But it's also an act of blessing. It is a blessing for those who are his disciples, those who want to hear, those who want to learn, those whose hearts have been transformed, those who want to dig in. And so the parables give us another dimension of the spiritual realm. As Jesus is teaching about spiritual things, he uses parables to illustrate, to give better understanding, deeper understanding. And as the church, we want to get to that deeper understanding. We want to, to get the blessing from the parable and hopefully not the judgment. Uh, so today we want to do just that. And as we look at this, this parable, the parable of the sower, or uh, perhaps a better uh, name for it would be the parable of the souls, because it really gets down to the souls. That's the, the emphasis of Jesus' teaching in the parable. But as we look at this, we see that this, as an encouragement to the church, is, is an encouragement to evangelize. It's an encouragement to our evangelism as we go out sowing the seed of the gospel, sharing the gospel with the lost around us. It is an encouragement to us. We often fear rejection when we go out with the gospel. Oh, what if they say no? Well, Jesus here in this parable shows us that some will say no, but many will say yes. So this is, I think, an encouragement to us. So the sermon in a sentence this morning is this, faithfully proclaim the gospel, for while many will reject it, many will also receive it with genuine, fruitful faith. Let me say that again, faithfully Proclaim the gospel, dear brothers and sisters. For while many will reject it, will reject the gospel message, many will also receive it with genuine, fruitful faith. So let's begin this morning by looking then at the parable and, and just defining the parts of the parable, if you will. The, the common part, right? This is what we talked about last week. That Jesus, that the parable is a, it takes the common, it takes things that people know, like agriculture and an agricultural community, and it takes a story from that common practice and applies it to a spiritual truth so that we can gain a better understanding about the spiritual from the practical and the common. And so Jesus tells this parable of the sower, the parable of the sower, or the parable of the souls, because he lived in a, an agricultural uh, culture. Oh, there were many farmers in, in his day. And so he told this parable. This is something that was common to him. Now, it, it's kind of common to us because you drop off the big hill out here and you hit the farmland, and, and we have some farmers amongst us. And so we kind of, we kind of get a, an idea of this, but let me take, kind of walk through this parable a little bit and, and kind of work out all the details because times have changed. And, and so there may be some things, especially if you're not from a, the farming community, that you may not quite understand. 
And so Jesus tells the, the parable of the sower, and he says, the sower goes out to the field and he sows seed. Now, if you drop off the clay hill out here and you enter into the delta out there, uh, you begin to look at the fields of green. They're all nice and pretty and green right now, and the crops are growing up good and strong. We've had lots of rain, and so you see these wonderful fields of green out there. Now, if you are driving down the road and you look out your window at the fields beside you, uh, you will see that the fields are planted in rows and sometimes, if you get at the right angle, you can see a long way out into the field because they're planted in rows. They're row crops. Uh, typically, out there now is uh, beans and corn, soybeans and corn. Sometimes a little cotton along the way. But that's primarily what you see in our area of the country. And so those are row crops. But along with row crops, there are other kinds of crops that you don't plant in rows, like wheat is what Jesus is talking about here. That's particularly the particular crop he is referring to. You plant wheat, you plant ryegrass, that sort of thing, not by planting it in rows, but by broadcasting it. You broadcast it. And so in Jesus' day, of course, they didn't have John Deere, right? They had John Donkey, but they didn't have John Deere. Uh, so Jesus, he, he's talking to this crowd that don't know anything about a tractor and a broadcaster and all that kind of thing so what they would do is they would take the big old sack of seed the farmer would go out and take his big sack of seed and hang it on his shoulders and he would start walking out through the field and he would just broadcast the seed out in front of him he had a point out in front of him that he'd watch to keep him in a straight line and he would just throw that seed out there wherever it would go and of course you have a prepared field before you but all the seed doesn't always fall in all the prepared soil does it you're just throwing it as broad and as wide as you can. And so sometimes it gets over in the ditches. Sometimes it gets on the pathway. Sometimes it gets in soil that's not been prepared. Remember back in the spring, I was uh, putting fertilizer out in my yard. And I had a broadcaster, right, to throw out my fertilizer. And I, I would try to get close enough to our driveway that the fertilizer would still remain in the yard, but I did, wasn't fertilizing the concrete of my driveway. Uh, but inevitably, a little fertilizer got on my, my driveway, right? Because I can't just make the seed fall at that point. And, and the same is true when you broadcast that seed. Some of it's going to go in places you don't necessarily want it to go. And Jesus is, is making note of that. Some of the seed, it falls on the path. It falls on the path. This would be what we would call a turn row. Right? You have little roads out between the fields, and, and they would even have some kind of through the fields so that uh, the, the, journey, the person journeying through the country, he might cut through and he could stay on the path instead of uh, wading through your good crops and, and uh, pressing them down. Farmers would need to go out through the field so they could check their, their crops. So they had these paths throughout along the way so that people could walk on them. And what happens to paths? Well, as you walk the same path over and over again, the soil gets packed down real good. And so grass and seed, none of that grows there. It's just a nice little dirt path to walk along. And so some of the seed inevitably ends up on the path. But then there's some places that are kind of rocky ground. Now, I didn't understand this so much until I lived in Perryville, and Perryville was a very good example of this for me. Uh, Perryville, uh, Perryville is in the Fush River Valley, 
right there on the west, or excuse me, the east end of the Washita Mountains. And so down in the valley, there's, there's some farmland there. And mostly they raise uh, grasses, uh, sod, and stuff like that. But there is some the farmland down there. But as you get closer to the mountains around the valley, uh, then the ground gets more and more rocky. And, and you get some of these ridges along the way that come right up to the edge of the soil. So you have that kind of a, a rock ridge that runs there with just a little bit of topsoil on top of it. And that's kind of what Jesus is talking about here. In Israel, In Israel, that's much of the same way. They, there's a lots of farmland there, but it's very hilly. It's kind of mountainous. So they have some of those places where the, the rocky ridges rise up, and it's just kind of a, a small layer of topsoil with a rock ridge underneath it. And when you've got that rock ridge underneath it, it holds, the ground holds no moisture. So that's why he talks about when the, when the sun comes out and begins to heat up the ground and, and the rains begin to dwindle off a little bit, well, whatever's planted there on the rocky places, they thrive for a little while. But when all the moisture gets sucked out of that soil, that little layer of topsoil, then they wither and they die. And then there's the thorny places. These are the kind of ditches along the way. You look out there in the fields, and, and often there are ditches running around here, there, yonder. And, and in that time, of course, they didn't have the big earth movers to make everything good and level, so they had little dips along the way in their fields. And in the ditches and in these little dips, often they, their plow couldn't get down in there and plow up the, the ground very well. So the weeds and the thorns, they would they would not get dug out of the ground. And so when the farmer go out throw his seed, if he threw it in one of these thorny places, then when things began to grow, of course, thorn bushes and weeds, they're typically a little more hardy than the crops. And so they come up, they shoot up, and, you know, the weed will get to growing for a little while, but then the thorns, they just choke all of that out. They choke the, the good wheat out. And drowned it, if you will. Um, and so there is the thorny ground. But then there's the good ground. There's the good ground. The, the ground that has been prepared by the farmer. It's all been disked up. It's fresh earth. Ready to receive the seed. And he throws the seed out on the good soil. And the seed drops down into the earth. It takes root. It grows, it thrives, and at harvest time, it has produced much fruit, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And so we get that imagery, don't we? We understand that imagery. But now let's understand the interpretation. Jesus goes on, and his disciples come to him there in verse 18, and they want to understand the parable and so uh, he says he, he begins to explain it to them and so let's look at the explanation and try to understand it better first we begin with the seed and the sower let's understand the seed and the sower in the parable he says there in verse 18 here then the parable of the sower when anyone hears the word of the kingdom let me stop right there 
when anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So what is the seed? What is the seed in the message of the parable of the sower? The seed is the kingdom message. It's the gospel. That's what Jesus says there. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, so the sower goes out and he sows the word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom is the seed. The word of the kingdom is the gospel. Now who is the sower? The sower is the proclaimer. It is the proclaimer, he or she who proclaims that gospel message. Here, in this instance, Jesus, of course, is referring most directly to himself. We see that when you look at the explanation for next week's parable, the parable of the weeds. In verse 37, he says, He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. So directly, Jesus is talking about himself. He is the sower who goes out and he sows the seed. He sows the word of God, the kingdom message. He is out there sowing the gospel message. He has been out there for months, maybe even a year at this point in time of his life, preaching, preaching, preaching the gospel Here, there, and everywhere he has gone, he is sowing the seed. But as we understand the gospel, it doesn't just kind of keep to Jesus. Jesus is not the only proclaimer because Jesus, then he commissions his disciples. He commissions his disciples right on down to us to sow the seed of the gospel, to proclaim the gospel message to the world. And so we are sowers of the kingdom message as we live life making disciples of many nations so the seed and the sower the seed is the kingdom message and the sower is the proclaimer whoever it is who proclaims the word of god proclaims the gospel then we get to the heart of the message and that is the soul's the souls. And the souls represent four responses to the kingdom message, four responses to the gospel. First here is the path, the seed that falls along the path. And the path represents those who have no understanding. They have no understanding. Look what he says there in, in verse 18, well, in verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, And does not understand it. Does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So the path represents those who are out there and the the sower throws out the seed and the seed falls along the path. The path has been trampled down. The path has been made hard to the gospel message. The seed can't even penetrate the heart of the one who is represented by the path. There's no understanding. There's no will to understand. There's no desire to understand. It cannot penetrate the heart. The word cannot penetrate the heart. Robert Sanders was telling me about an instance when he was in Colorado and there, there in the hospital. 
And uh, he, he, Robert, as most of you know, is a, a great evangelist. He evangelizes, he tells people the gospel everywhere he goes. And so when he was there in the hospital, he took that as an opportunity to share the gospel with as many people as he possibly could. And there were several people, the doctor in particular, who came in, and of course, Robert asked him, if you die today, where would you spend eternity? And his response was, where was this town, brother? Pagosa Springs. I'm going to spend eternity here in Pagosa Springs or wherever else I choose to. You know, he didn't have any desire to hear about the gospel. And as soon as he said that, he was out the door. He didn't want to hear any more. That was soul of the path. It's hard. It can't penetrate. It can't be penetrated by the gospel. There's no understanding. There's no desire whatsoever to understand. So is the seed that is planted in the path. Satan then comes around and he sees that, that seed laying there on the path, on the hard heart. And, and when there's no understanding, Satan comes along. He is, the, he is the one, he is the bird who comes and he snatches away the gospel. He snatches it away with false teaching. He snatches it away with pride. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Then, I'm gonna, then if I hear that, if I believe that, then I'm going to have to bow down before your God. I don't want that. Or what do you do with evolution? No, I'd rather listen to evolution and, and what it tells me because then I can be my own God. My own master. So Satan comes in to the hard heart. And the seed of the gospel is snatched away. There's no penetration. No understanding. So is the soul on the path. But then there's the rocky ground. The rocky ground. And in the rocky ground there is no depth. There's no depth to the soul. It's right there. There's a little top soul. Right? There's a little bit of the top soul. But under that there's rocky ground. And so immediately when the, the seed hits the ground, while there's that good moisture in the air, while there's that good moisture in the soil, it, it springs up. In fact, he, he uses that word immediately, right? Immediately it comes up. There's this instant response, an excited response. It sounds good. Man, what you're, what you're preaching, brother, that sounds good. Yeah, hell is a very bad place. I don't want to go to hell. Heaven sounds good. I want that. And so there's immediate response. And for a moment in time, oh, there's excitement. Yes, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But then when tribulation comes, when things heat up, persecution comes. Oh, you mean... I've got to give up this to follow after Christ? Oh, you mean I've got to go to church? <laughs> I've got to be involved in a community of believers? Oh, you mean uh, this is going to cost me uh, my reputation with my friends? Oh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. 
when persecution comes, when tribulation comes, when it gets a little hot, they immediately fall away. Oh, when it sounded good to their ears, they immediately respond. When times get tough, they immediately fall away. You know anyone like that? You know anyone like that? We've got over 300 members on our roll. We've got a lot of people on our rolls. That was the gospel planted on rocky ground. Immediately they responded. And immediately they left out the back door when things got a little hot. So is the soil of the rocky ground. Then we have the, the thorny ground, the soil that is on the thorny ground. And for the, the seed that is planted in the thorny ground, there is no fruit. There is absolutely no fruit. Oh, there's that initial response. There's initial response. There's, it, the, it, it comes up a little bit, right? You, you get a little bit of a stalk that comes up. It grows for a little bit. But when the thorns come up around it, when the worldly things come up around it, And all the desires of the flesh come up around it. Oh, I can't give up the world. I can't give up all those desires. I can't give up all those riches. I can't make Jesus my vision. I can't make Jesus my only treasure. Can I have my real treasure and a little bit of Jesus and, and get by? That's what we get in the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler just could not let go of the world, could he? The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus begins to name off all the, all the commandments. So don't murder, don't steal, honor your father and your mother, and and love your neighbor as yourself. Rich young ruler says, well, <laughs> all these I've done since birth. What else do I lack? I like that because he noticed he lacked something. And Jesus says, go sell all that you own. Give to the poor. Come follow me. See, Jesus understood what the rich man's treasure was. It was all of his riches. It was all of his riches. And he could not let go of his riches to follow Jesus. He put his riches as a God over Jesus. Oh, he could take Jesus as long as he could keep his riches in their place over Jesus. The Scripture says, when Jesus said that, he went away sorrowful because he had many riches. That is the seed that falls on the thorny ground. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one 
and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. God and possessions. God and all the other worldly desires that you can throw in there. You can't serve yourself and God. God has to take the supreme position. He must be supreme. He must be Lord. He's not Lord of all. He's not your Savior. You get that? If He's not Lord over all, He's not Lord at all. And if He's not Lord of your life, He's not the Savior of your life. You can't have one without the other. You either let go of yourself, let go of the world, bow before Jesus, trust Jesus, give your life to Jesus, or you can't have Jesus. This kind of soul produces unfruitful Christians, half-hearted Christians. Those who like to show up on Sunday morning from time to time. But once they leave the doors, you can't tell them from the rest of the world. There's no fruit. There's no fruit. They bear no fruit of godliness in their lives. Finally, we have the fourth kind of soul, the good soul. The good soul. The good soul there. Look down there. Let me find my spot here. Verse 23, as for what was sown on good soul, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Oh, here is the good soul. The seed that falls on the good soul, the soul understands. The heart understands. It grasps the gospel. Immediately there's this understanding when, when one comes to understand the gospel that I am a sinner. Bound for hell because of my rebellion and my rejection of God. And I need a Savior. There's understanding that Jesus alone is that Savior. Jesus alone is the one who can save us from judgment. There's understanding. I need Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. However, the one who is spiritual, the one whom God has prepared the soul, has changed the heart, understands understands and believes 
the good soil then takes root. It takes root. The, 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 the roots of the, the, the seed planted in the good root or in the good ground go down deep into the soil. It takes root in the soil. It reaches down to the, to the, the depths of the soil, getting into the good moist soil. Even when the sun comes up and begins to dry everything out around it, its roots are down deep, getting its nourishment from the king himself. It endures. When temptations come, when perseverance or when when pressures come, when tribulations and trials come, it endures through them. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they, are, they all are not of us. You see, those who, who aren't planted in the good seed, they run out. When pressure comes, when tribulation comes, they run out. But the seed planted in good soil, they stay, they endure, they press through the persecution, they press through the tribulation, clinging to Christ. The good soul understands, the good soul takes root, and finally, and no, oh, this is so important, the good soul bears fruit. It bears fruit. It bears fruit. Now, it bears it in various amounts, sure. Not all of us grow to the same level of maturity in this life. And and so there's levels of, of production. But there's one thing that's clear. There is production. It bears fruit. Fruits of righteousness. What kind of fruit, Brother Richard, what kind of fruit? And Mary Beth and I were talking about this just yesterday. And I want to clarify, what kind of fruit are we talking about here? Is it fruit of, of having people come to faith under you? Is that what it is? I don't think that's clearly what it is. That, that's part of it, sure, but I don't think that's all of it. In, in Galatians Chapter 5, Paul puts two things in contrast to one another. And so let me read this in verse 16 through 24 and see if you can understand the fruit that Jesus is getting at here that is born by the seed planted in the good ground. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will, be, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Boy, he just talked about that in Romans this morning, didn't he? But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, 
orgies and all and things like these. So it's not just those, but things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Dear friend, if you are, are basing your faith, or if you are base, basing your hope on a prayer that you prayed, but you find yourself in this category, Paul says, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God because the evidence in your life that you haven't been transformed by the Spirit of God. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. It's a life of, of righteousness, a life of godliness. Now, it's not perfect godliness, no. It's not. There's that struggle. There's times that each and every one of us, we're going to stumble and we're going to fall on our face. But the difference is, for the one who's had that gospel seed planted in the good soil, the difference is that when we do fall, Jesus is there to come pick up that bruised reed and set it back up straight and get it back growing again. But make no mistake about it. The seed planted in the good soil produces fruit of righteousness. Because the soil's been changed. The soil's been changed. Christ Jesus has come and transformed the heart, transformed the desires. There's a longing to pursue Christ and the things of Christ. The good soul understands the gospel, believes the gospel. The gospel takes root in the heart of that believer. And that believer produces fruit of righteousness. So the lesson that we learn today and here's the central principle that we see in the text. The central principle is this. The kingdom message will produce various responses according to the condition of each hearer's heart. The kingdom message will produce various responses according to the condition of each hearer's heart. Whether it's like the, the soil on the path, the soil in the rocky places, the soil in the thorny places are the good soil. Wherever the gospel is planted, it's going to produce different responses according to that soil. So what's the lesson for us today? First of all, I want us to see that there's an encouragement to believers. There is an encouragement to believers. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. 
I believe when Jesus is explaining this to his disciples, he's getting them ready to send them out to proclaim the gospel themselves. And they're going to experience some of the the path type soil. They're going to experience some of the, the stony soil. They're going to experience some of the thorny soil that is out there. But Jesus wants them to be encouraged. There's good soil. There's soil that I prepared and made ready to hear the gospel. You just go out and sow, 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 sow the seed. Let me worry about the growth. Sow the seed. And so what if if you have someone, a hearer, who responds like that of the soil on the path? Israel, back in this day, the, the farmers in Israel had a, a practice. Sometimes they prepared the, the field beforehand. Sometimes they went and disked up the field, got the soil nice and pretty and, and ready, and then they sowed the seed. Other times they did the opposite, though. They sowed the seed on that hard ground, and then they came back and they plowed it up. You don't worry about the plowing, you just worry about the sowing. Let God worry about the plowing. And though it may fall on hard-packed seed or hard-packed soil this time, the next time you go back to that spot, that person, his heart might have been disked up. So you proclaim it again. You just keep sowing and sowing and sowing. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's an encouragement to me. It's an encouragement to me, and I hope it's an encouragement to you. Keep sowing the gospel message. There's also a challenge here. There's also a challenge. Jesus knew who was following him. He knew about Judas. This is a challenge to examine yourself. Examine yourself. What kind of soul has the gospel fell upon in your own heart? Are you allowing pressures of the world? Trials and tribulations to come and heat up the soil and cause your faith to die out? Are you allowing the, the worries and the cares of this world to come up and choke out your faith? Examine yourself. And if you see the characteristics of the path, the stony places are, are the, the thorny places, pray to God, Lord, disc up my heart. Disc up my heart. Let the seed sink in. Let me hear. Let me receive. Let me bear fruit. Cry out to God. If you're crying out to God now, that's just evidence that He has already dissed up your heart and you're responding. Oh, examine yourself, dear friend. Where do you fall in the parable of the souls? Are you, being, are you bearing fruit today? Are you bearing fruit in your own life? Are you, are you bearing gospel fruit? Dear Christian, are you out there faithfully sowing the gospel everywhere you go? Letting the seed fall where it will? Praying that God would prepare the soil before you so that you might see His harvest?
Are you bearing fruit for the kingdom? Dear friend, examine your own heart. Do you see fruit? Are you just showing up? Are you seeing fruit of righteousness? Are you just showing up? Open God to take what you, what you got. Are you bearing fruit? If you're not bearing fruit, if you're not bearing fruit, surrender today to Christ. Give it all to Christ. that He can create in you a fruit-bearing vine. Faithfully proclaim the Gospel. For while many will reject it, many will also receive it with genuine, fruitful faith. Oh, I pray that today there are some who receive the Gospel with genuine, fruitful faith. Oh, Heavenly Father, Your Word has been cast out. And Lord, today we trust You to prepare the soul. But Lord, let us as a church be faithful to, to broadcast. Let us be faithful to sow. Let me, O Lord, be faithful to sow the seed of the kingdom. O Lord, You produce the growth. You produce the fruit. You change the heart. And turn it to Christ. O Lord, do a work today in this people. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.